sin to read the entire first chapter. Above the likeness of the throne was a likeness of human appearance. 
follows, um, as it were, bleeding metal, like the appearance of fire closed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So, that, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. We are in this new series we launched out to last week, and we introduced a little bit about who Ezekiel was and the main thrust of his message, and talked a little about the historical context. So if you need any of that information, you weren't here last week, I would just encourage you to go online. You can find it on our website, find those on iTunes and whatnot, and it'll help you give you kind of context of what we're talking about. And all of that was to introduce this vision that we just read. This vision, beautiful, chaotic, mind-blowing vision that even in some sense as we're reading it, we can't fully comprehend the weight and the immensity of what we're reading. And in some sense, you get the sense that Ezekiel himself is doesn't know how to describe what he's seeing. Do you agree with that? Like there's a sense in which he uses this word likeness. Like he's afraid to even say too much, but he's afraid what he'll say is wrong. He has this vision that God has given him, and it's a vision for not only him, but for God's people. Yet, again, just as you read it, you kind of sense that there's so much more that we don't understand. So much more that God wants his people to see about himself. Kind of like, in a very, very much smaller way, when I first moved to Tennessee, East Tennessee, um, I went to first Newman College over in East Tennessee, about 30 minutes, I guess, east of Knoxville. My, a lot of my close friends went to UT, married a woman from UT, whose brother went to UT, whose mom and dad went to UT, and on up through the ages, on down through the ages. And, uh, and I remember when I first moved to Tennessee, I'm from Virginia, and so we take sports seriously. Um, but I remember like these disturbing experiences that I would have, especially on football Saturdays. I walk into a mall and just everything's just decked out in orange. You walk into a restaurant, everything is draped in orange. And, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking like, there might just be a little bit of idolatry going on down here that we don't get where I'm from. Again, not the same. Where I grew up, grew up as a big basketball fan, a college basketball fan. Listen, you just kind of just remember going throughout all these different places in East Tennessee, and it's just, man, it's in face. And it's like, you're either with us or you're against us, kind of mentality, right? It's just, I mean, you go on Sundays and I serve in churches and I uh, had this one deacon for years, and, and like, you can tell whether or not Tennessee would have a good Saturday or not, you know, the fact that whether or not he was wearing his orange blazer that Sunday or not. I'm serious, that is the, that is the truth of the matter. Um, Luckily, one of my best friends, when I was, uh, again, named Mark Harvey, I was coming back to Virginia. He went to UT, and he would invite me down for the weekend, and we would hang out. One day, he says, look, I know you think this is weird, but you just, you don't, you don't know what it's about. Let me show you what it's about. So he takes me down to, to the campus on the I'm walking through, there's hundreds of thousands of people crammed into this campus. I mean, uh, 
on game days, typically in Knoxville. Uh, Knoxville comes the third largest city in the state because of game days. Um, on one day, typically when they're home games. Walking through hundreds, if not thousands of people crammed into the bookstore trying to get their latest UT job, you know, paraphernalia. They are, uh, we're walking down the, this Neyland uh, Drive, and you see the UC, and people getting food, and, and then, and this is what it was, I entered into the stadium. 3,000 people slammed into every nook and cranny in this place. The energy, and the tradition. I married a UC grad, and I knew what I was getting into when I married her. It was something that I had never experienced. I, my view of UT tradition was small until I experienced the majesty of the tradition. I get that's very close to heresy when I'm trying to figure that out. Right? So I am by no means saying that there's anything close to what I experience as any close to God, but, but in my own lived experience, there's something that makes this passage come to life for me because I understand that when, when you and I can talk about a lot of things, we experience a lot of things, but until we experience that thing, we don't really know how great that thing is. It's kind of like a Christian great donut. Right? You can talk about Krispy Kreme donut, but you don't know what it's like until you've eaten a Krispy Kreme donut. You just don't know. So it's the same kind of idea. And we just, we're trying to make human, those very frail human comparisons, is um, somewhat helpful to me. But it's also helpful for me to recognize that here I am, I've pastored most of my life, all my life, in the Bible Belt State. Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina, most of that time. We pride ourselves on being a Bible belt, but we also pride ourselves in our sports. We pride ourselves not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but how often, how often, how often are we more in love all of the press about being a Bible belt? How many Christians do? Truly known 
and a, a, a devotion in our life. And so that's what I fire do this morning. God is not body or parts. That's why the 
modern catechism for boys and girls says who is God is a God is a spirit. God is a spirit and does not have a body like man. These catechisms help us put to words some things that are beyond our comprehension. It's why we do well to teach our kids these fundamental truths. Because, and teach ourselves these fundamental truths for that matter. When we talk about God, who He is, and what God is like, it's important that we describe Him in ways that are consistent with how He has described Himself in Scripture. We to describe God with our own terms. That's why I sense in Ezekiel's reading there's this likeness and he's just almost like this, he's fearful of saying too much. Because how can you describe such glory?
out into our own theological silos, per se, but to, to, to engage the brightest minds of Christian history to help us understand some of these, these, these different elements and understand philosophically who God is. And I'm not suggesting you go through and buy every big book out there. I'm just saying we should, we should be thankful for this. Our chief concerns, one of the chief concerns of the reformers that it was not the doctrine of God that was so often well articulated, but how often the gospel the Roman church preached was so off in light of what they had believed about God. For all of our friends about trying to get our doctrine right, how many times are our doctrine right? It shows the beauty, power, and goodness of God's sovereign command over his universe. If we get God right, it necessitates getting the gospel right. This was always a reformist concern. Always. This should be the church's concern to this day. So when we say reform, we're always reforming. That's what we mean. Reforming like who God is and what He's revealed Himself to be and what He has done. The church should always be doing that in light of that. We get that right. We get the gospel right. So this should be a reminder to us today that if we can, if we were to ever get the the fullness of faith alone and grace alone and Christ alone right. Not be built on the foundation of a minuscule. Gospel is only as big as your God is. Number two, and here's the second thing I want to take away. God is worth knowing holy, so expose yourself to the best mind. Yes, man is finite. Fallen, fallen greatly, I think, at times throughout human history. And the reason is to see that happening in the church. But I would encourage us to look beyond and say, what has been done so that what we read in these books is coming to life? I, as I've said before, God.
purity. To say God is wholly other than within extent to his pure and utter purity and righteousness. And there's not even a hint of unrighteousness in God. If that is the case, who can stand in the presence of such a pure, glorious being and not be utterly terrified? God based on what? 
They can't get the gospel without getting the full terror of who God is. Because God is holy other. God, we respond to that. We do what the Bible tells us. 
Proverbs 9, verse 6. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in my insight. Whoever corrects the scoffer gets his... I'm sorry. Okay. So, uh, leave your simple ways, the idea. And walk in the way of insight or walk in the way of wisdom. Proverbs 10, verse 27. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord belongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Or, have you ever read the diary, if you will, of King Solomon? What does King Solomon do in the, in, the, in the course of this book? He goes through every possible avenue of, 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 of experience, of possible joy, a possible satisfaction. He traces out everyone's power, money, pleasure. And every one of them, he finds them all wanting. Here's his conclusion to the matter in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. End of the matter is this all has been heard. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I live in light of the terrible glory of God. Pursue the wisdom of God and the fear. Realize that I'll consume the glory of God. God. God is all-consuming is recognized that there's not one place on earth that we can outflip God. No outpost here on earth that has figured out a way to rid themselves from the rule of God. You know that, right? Not one. And so when we talk about God's all-consuming, we are talking about what we see in this vision of omnipotence, this throne, the brightness, and the fire that arises from this throne, and we see the pure, unadulterated, Power, the pinnacle of the vision here is this Christophic figure seen on this throne is shrouded in fire and brightness. It's difficult to interpret. Tells us there's no power that even touch the power of the living God. John the Baptist had it right. I can't even strap his sandals. He's so gorgeous. He's so powerful. Who am I to even do this? Talking about God's opportunity and some of his omnipresence. These wheels. Going in every direction. Speaks to the fact that there's not a place on earth that is can hide from God. That God is everywhere at all times in all places. The wheels that make up this chair, they're multi-directional. They're, the idea is one of God's glory is present in all directions. Ezekiel's vision has both a terrifying reality of that as well as a comforting reality. The terrifying side of that is not one. From the glory, the righteous glory of God. Not once. I'm really excited as for you and me who are believers. There's not one place or context on earth in which God drives his people or after we have it where he himself is not present in us. Pillars, the lion, the eagle, and the ox. 
looking in all these different directions. What does that tell us? Let's roll. 
This is what we're called to do. How we're called to respond. So it seems to me a good place for us to end this morning is simply by asking a couple of questions and preparing ourselves for the Lord's table, okay? First question. How much of your life is commanded by the right affection? How much of your life is truly commanded by the right by a right affection and devotion for God? If not, why not? Could it be that Judah and our view of God has become quite the reduce God to a bellhop who exists to make our life easier. I Glory be seen so brilliantly.